everybody. You're listening to the I'm Just Saying show with Justin Worley. And my guest today is Chief of Police for Northern Berks Regional Police, Ryan Horner. Thanks for being on the show, dude. Hey, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, this... Okay, we're not going to act like we've never talked before. <laughs> uh, we've known each other for a lot of years. What, what do you think? I was... The last time we really, really hung out, hung out as a group, I think, was uh, probably 2004 during the Eagles Super Bowl run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. Yes. Uh, People aren't aware, Chief Horner makes a mean boil-up. And every Eagles score, we used to take a shot of boil-up and sing the fight song. And by the end of the game, since we actually went to the Super Bowl, we were pretty fucked up. Um, So anyway, law enforcement... Being in law enforcement, I've worked in corrections. Uh, shit, right out of right out of college, you know, my four-year, two-year degree. Um, I worked at Berks County Youth Detention when that was a thing, and I worked went then from uh, there to the Children's Home of Reading. Then I went and worked for a private company in Pittsburgh called the Academy, and that was by far the worst place I've ever worked. So that's dealing with the juvenile end of it. Um, I wanted to get into it because I was that piece of garbage kid at one point that I just was lucky enough to not get caught. So I felt like I could maybe change some things at the juvenile level. You find out you can change maybe one or two, and the rest are still going to be pieces of garbage. But you went right into the police academy. What made you want to do that? Well, what happened was I I grew up around it. My dad was uh, in law enforcement. He uh, retired from Kutztown University as assistant chief of police and then moved on to the borough of Kutztown as a police officer. But I grew up around it. And uh, I really wanted to be a paramedic. That's what I wanted to be. And uh, there was just no money there. And graduated high school as a paramedic assistant at Lock Haven Hospital. I was there probably uh, maybe about a year or so, and then uh, I wanted more money and went into a factory job and hated it. And I know. I work in a factory yeah. job, and, well, I'm not going to say I hate it because if anybody listens, I love it. But <laughs> wink, wink. But no, it just wasn't for me, and I had the opportunity to go uh, into the police academy. And uh, I was 19 years old, applied, went through uh, Indiana, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Oh, so you had a great time while you were there, too. Well, somewhat, because uh, <laughs> you know I started out part-time. And yeah. It was in Lock Haven. That's where I was you know, born and raised and grew up. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, hey, you know, let's do it. So I, I applied and started when I was 19, and... And I got laid off because I worked for Champion Park Rebuilders. Okay. And when I got laid off, I ended up uh, switching over and went to the full-time police academy out at IUP, and which was a good time. Yeah. And uh, ended up graduating when I was 20. Became a cop when I was 20, and my first job was uh, in Mill Hall. So, well, I don't, I'm not familiar with that area. What kind of area is that like? Mill Hall is a, a little borough up in Clinton County. It's between State College and Lock Haven. It's very close to Lock Haven. And it was a very small department, and I worked there for a few months, and then I had the opportunity, and I got hired at Kutztown University uh, Police Department. Okay. Worked there for just a year, and got hired with Maiden Creek Township Police Department. That's when I was 21 years old. Wow, you moved pretty quick. Yeah, and I haven't left. Right. Uh, it came from being... Uh, Maiden Creek Township Police Department to Maiden Creek on Alani Joint Police Department and then to Northern Berks Regional Police. So what's the difference when, okay, so you're starting out and you're in a small town atmosphere. I'm I'm assuming like you're not really 
like as far as radius goes, you're not dealing with a ton of different people. Uh, you know, I mean, small towns here, I think of Topton, Pennsylvania. I think of like the town of Kutztown. Take the college out of it. That, that was that was what I was working in. Millhallboro, small, yeah. you know, it was a small community, not a lot happening, you know. And then you move to university police, where it's not about drunk college kids all year round. Well, except for summer, but still, like, what do you have to kind of change your style and approach to things there, or do you? Because you know, small town police, you kind of like, hey, Jerry, please don't do that. Now you're dealing with people you have no idea who they are. They're changing every semester. You know, does that change how you approach people? Not really. Um, not you. Got to understand. I was young. I mean, when when I started, you know, went through the academy nineteen, graduated when I was twenty. I couldn't yeah. even drink. You know, right. the graduation, you know, class, everybody was drinking, and here I was drinking soda. You right. know, that kind of sucked. Right. But really, you know, it, it was going from a small town to another small town. You know, because Kutztown isn't. Big. It's not a big town. I'm just strictly. But when you bring the university into it. Yeah, but, you know, Kutztown University was college kids. I fit in well. You know, I could communicate with them because right. I was them, you know, basically in reality, just that I had a job and, you know, being a police officer and they were students. And But you know that. I mean, at least for me going through school, before I got older, I was, I looked at establishment differently than I do now. I looked at it like, before I actually, well, before I got into corrections, like when I was a high school kid in my early days of college, I was very... Like, against what people say, well, the man. Like, I, I didn't want to, you couldn't tell me what to do. I, you know, you weren't going to tell me, you know, there was, oh, this guy's preventing me from doing this. You know, he just wants to, you know, be all against kids and, like, go give us a hard time because he's in charge and he wants to show his authority. I can imagine you being in that position of authority at a young age. They kind of, did you ever get looked at like, dude? You know what we're doing. Leave us the hell alone. Right. Uh, Did you get a lot of pushback there? uh, Not too much. Um, Back then, it's a lot different than what it is now. I could just imagine me coming into law enforcement nowadays at at 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, they would look at you as a kid like, what are you doing? Right. You know, because you're not... You're not mature enough, you know, especially kids nowadays. Forget it. So, so would you... Would you say that uh, there was a little more respect... Back in that, that oh, day? yeah. A lot more respect. Because they saw... They didn't care who you were. They saw the badge. They, they respected that to an extent much more than they do these days. Right. Today, I mean, you see people, they don't give a shit. No. They don't care. Nope. Not at all. And it's sad. It is sad. I mean, I got pulled over as a kid. I, like, white kid in the middle of a white town and I'm terrified. Like, oh, shit. Like, I just got pulled over. I'm in so much damn trouble. I'm going to be respectful. Like, and you see, it's kind of going out the window. What do you think caused that? I think it's just society in general. It's everything, you know, with uh, social media to the news, news broadcasters, all they do is feed on the bad stuff. And what they do is, you know, they'll make a small incident to a big incident and uh, just to, to sell paper, you know, just yeah. like you know the, the newspaper people out there, you know, the, the editors and everything. They'll just uh, drum up a story and try to make it, you know, sounds so bad and uh, it, it's really not that bad some things but right. you know it's uh, it, it's just it's all different you know now you know people look cell phones we depend on cell phones you can't even leave a cell phone behind if you forget your phone you're going nuts yeah, you know true. what are you going to do you drive back and get it and it's it's all computer stuff anymore you know back growing up you know as a kid 
we didn't have these phones. You know, we were always out riding bike, playing ball, playing yeah. football. You know? Exactly. Now, kids nowadays, people, they all depend on their phones, computers. They don't want to go out and do stuff. They're just, they're body people, homebody people. That's true. That's true. They say a lot of kids nowadays, that you see a lot of young kids wearing glasses nowadays. And it's because they're so used, they, they haven't developed the far vision because they're never out of like a bedroom in front of a video game screen or in front of their phone. They never learned, they never went outside and had to like look for anything. So at a young age, they're already developing, I don't know what, nearsighted? I mean, you can see near things. Yeah, I don't, much I don't have glasses. Yeah. I haven't got it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they say like the effects are on kids in general are you're seeing it on a daily basis. Yeah. I think they're softer in general too. But, so you're you're a rookie cop first year first year and you're at Kutztown University now are you I, I, from what I've been told about um, being a police officer when you start out you usually get usually the shit shift did, now did that was that the same thing at Kutztown University or no automatically night shift or no we worked rotating shifts and okay. uh, I worked with one sergeant at the time so you know I had a partner that I always worked with so you were never by yourself no no yeah. you always had somebody to work with. Now, is that still, does that ever go away as you get more experience? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like whenever I ended up uh, taking a job then when I switched from Kutztown University Police to Maiden Creek Township Police, I was out on my own from almost the beginning. Really? From the whole way through. So, what's that like? Is it kind of like taking training wheels off a little bit? Like, you've been oh. doing it. You've been doing it, but shit, now, now it's just me. Well, yeah, because they threw you out. You know, like I, whenever I got hired there, you know, I had this chief that worked permanent midnights. That's all he wanted because he had a canine dog, you know. Now, you got to understand, back then, there was only, like, three officers in a department. Now, you're talking about almost 30s ago. So, things have definitely changed. But it was just like taking the training wheels off a bike. You're out. You're gone. Like, you're out on your own. And it's like, it's a whole new world, you know. And being a rookie and being young, it's like a holy shit factor. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What was was the first thing you had to do? Your first day on the job by yourself. What was the first interaction you had? I think the the first thing was uh, a pretty bad motor vehicle accident that, that that I had. And you were the first one to and, arrive. And you had yeah, to and it was and it was a bad accident. When I remember, it was actually a two twenty two and seventy three in Maiden Creek Township, and involved a tractor trailer and everything. And uh, there were injuries, and it was just a mess. And it was like, you know, it was like, oh my god. You, you know, and it was just me. And, you know, you're talking two state highways there, you yeah. know, 73 and 222, yeah. if people know where it's at. It, it, it was, you know, it, it was just like an oh shit factor. Yeah. But, you know, eventually, you know, with you know, working at Kutztown when I worked there, and then I was also working part-time for the borough of Kutztown. So that's where I got a lot of my training. So that's, right. okay. you know, I got to give credit to the, the Kutztown borough back then whenever I was hired part-time. I was working basically full-time hours, but, you know, as a part-time status. Right. So, you know, when you're dealing with college students and you're dealing with everything that took place because of being a college town, that's where I learned a lot. And then I just started getting very comfortable from there on out. And, you know, from Maiden Creek Township, we went to Maiden Creek on Alani Joint Police Department where we joined on Alani and Maiden Creek together. Now, how does that go? Is there a lot of, is there a lot of, like, ego going on there when two departments like no actually it was a very good easy transmit uh, transition uh we were all excited about it we really wanted it to happen and when it happened resources yeah and you're making a bigger department you know plus it was more coverage area you know you could uh 
expand out. You could learn a lot more. And that was, that was the most exciting thing. Okay. So what did you, did, did you end up, did you go back to the partner system there or were you still basically on your own once you? Uh, sometimes you were on your own, but there were a couple of times you would, you know, have a partner that you'd be working with, you know, especially at night shift. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went just a few years and then we ended up, uh, you know, uh, making a new department called Northern Berks Regional Police yeah. where Leesport Borough came in. And then it was totally, you know, a, a different change because we had a lot more guys and then we started having special fields and okay. and that's where then I had moved on from a patrolman to a detective. So how does that happen? What do you, so you've been, how, so how long were you a patrolman before you decided I want to take, well, all you hear in the movies, I want to take the detective exam. Is that what it literally is? You just, I want to do this and actually, the opportunity? No, actually, I was, uh, the chief that was there uh, asked me what I wanted to do. If I wanted to be promoted to a sergeant or a detective. Okay. Well, yeah, a sergeant would have, you know, gave me a rank and, you know, probably more money. But a detective, that yeah. was cool. Yeah, it and, sounds way cooler. And it, and it, it was, and uh, you know, I always like to go out and catch the bad guys. And I said I'll do the t- you know detective's position. Plus, you know, it was a permanent day shift job. I didn't have to work nights anymore. Didn't have to work weekends. So that was kind of a plus too. But uh, like I said, I liked to do investigations. Sure. So okay. So your chief asks you, what do you want to do? Now, what's the process to go through to get you there? I'm sure it's not just here's the job. Or is it here's the job? Well, it was, you know, because, you know, I, I had, I was a hammer back then. You know, I was young. I, I wasn't afraid to work. You know, I was, I was, you know, I would dig for stuff, you know, um, try to solve, you know, uh, like burglaries and thefts and things like that, you know. And, and I was probably one of the most energetic, you know, officers out of the department and I think that's why he came to me and asked me which I was thankful for sure. And uh, but I had to go through a lot of training a lot of training you know like what? it was like I went through the two week FBI detective school uh, what do they do to you there? Uh, they train everything it was anything you needed to know about being a detective it was homicide investigation, robbery investigation, processing crime scenes interviewing and interrogation you name it, it it covered it in that two week period. Right. And uh, did they actually make a sit? You see all. Okay, I'm going strictly movie based because I have no <laughs> perverse things. But uh, did do they actually make you sit there and like go through like intense ter- interrogation? So you feel what that feels like? What we did was in that one class, they actually with the interview and interrogation, they showed us videos. Okay. And then you know we had mock. You know, things like, you know, what was really cool was when they were training us, uh, they, they showed us what to look for, body language, yeah, you know, yeah. language and all. So you, when you when you get trained on that and you watch, you know, some of the, like, uh, for instance, uh, some of the interviews that, you know, were conducted before, you could, you know, easily tell when somebody was lying, telling the truth because of body language, how they answered, you know, the question, how they right. were named, things like that. So then what we did was during the class, there were five people that uh, were pulled out and here one of them actually had a pen and you had to pick out (laughs) out of those five people who actually had that pen. So you had to interview each individual to try to find out which one actually so, had the pen. So besides do you have a goddamn pen, what the hell are you asking these people? Yeah, just, you know, what you have to do, first of all, you try to determine if they're right or left-handed. Okay. Because if you're right-handed, when you lie, a right-hand person is normally going to look down to their left. 
If they're left-handed, they're going to look down to the right. You know, it's it's all that. It, it's yeah. about you know when somebody talks to you. If they're lying, nine chances out of ten, they're not going to look straight at you know at you in your face. Right. You know, there's going to be a lot of body language. Right. And it's just it's all what you learn through your training, and that's what we had to use. So you had five people there, and you had to try to find out who won. You know, which one had this damn pen. <laughs> so, so it was it, it's challenging. If you're in it, so if you're in an actual interrogation and you're and you're interviewing somebody, uh, how you can, so sir, what hand are you? <laughs> like, but do you yeah. give them a do you give them a do you give them a cup of something so like and well, see which hand they reach with? Or what I do is I I usually talk to them and if I'm not sure, you know, I'll say here, can you write down your name, you know, address, okay. date of birth. I'll have them do that. And then I'll have them do, you know, like something else just to see what hand that they use. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, and that's not always true too. Because well, you sure. It's a generalization. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, it, then it comes into, you know, like body language, you know, just even, you know, how they, I went through a statement analysis. So, okay. you know, I could ask somebody here, give me a written statement. So then what I did was I looked at their written statement and then you can pick out in a written statement, you know, where there's deception. Okay. Well, how the hell do you do that from writing? Um, just because it's how, you know, you ask the question and you tell them to write it down. And then with their response, it's how they word it. You know, it's... it's That's that's insane. I can't even... I, it's awesome. Yeah. I, it's just... Dude, how do you shut that off in regular life? In like real... Like out not being on the job. Like how do you shut that off? Because I went through the, my criminal justice classes. It was funny because we learned... Just, we just touched on that like a little bit. And I forget the instructor's name. He was in law enforcement. I can't remember his name, but we he had a volunteer come up. And the first thing he did was he set a chair next to him and he got real close to him. Yep. He, he wheeled right in. And the first thing the guy did was put his hands over his crotch. And he goes, why are you sitting like that? He goes, I always sit like this. He goes, you always cover your dick when you're talking to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his first example of body language. But, right. but he also made it clear, he's like, It'll drive you nuts if you try to do this with every person you talk to and meet. Right. Like, you won't trust anybody. Correct. So, you, you have to treat everybody the way you want to be treated, too. You know? It, you know, Like, when you just said, you know, do you always, you know, yeah. you know, you know, cross over like that, you know, to cover your dick. That, that investigator was making him try to, like, crack a joke, make yeah. that guy feel comfortable. Right. Because if he's, if he's doing that, putting his hands across like that or, you know, crossing his arms... That, that individual is closing up on the investigator. So right. you have to you break him from being so, like, close. Like, right. meaning that I'm not going to talk. You know, right. get his arms that come down. Because as soon as they come down and they open up, you know you have that person to where you need to talk to them. Right. And nine chances out of ten, they're going to communicate with you. Why does anybody... Okay, wait, let me let me finish that, though. Okay, so, like, in... <clears throat> if I really dove into that... Mm-hmm. I would use it every day with with my bosses at work. I would use it with my employees at work. I would use it with my fiance. I would use it. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I have. <laughs> yes. You know, and and it sucks. Like my chief, uh, previous chief before I came chief, uh, I used to catch him and I used to question him. You know, and it's like you're lying to me. You're not telling me the truth. He goes, get the, uh, <laughs> you know. It's like, but uh, you know. 
I, I went through a lot of training, and that was one of my favorite things was interviewing and, and interrogation. You know, when you when you hear interrogation, it's not like what you see on TV that no, you, you know they're they're no. you know like you know jacking somebody up. No, interrogation is when basically when you're interviewing somebody, it's when you're talking to them. Interrogating is when you start raising your voice and you know you're you're letting them have it. You know, if you've much. ever watched the first forty eight. It's a lot of what you would see on there, I guess. You oh, yeah. don't really watch TV, you said, but I'm assuming you've seen that show. Uh, I, I do. You yeah. know, ever since now, uh, you know, I got, you know, I'm actually sad to say I'm going through a divorce. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I met a, you know, a girl through a, uh, a, a class. It was a supervisory class. So she's a lieutenant, Lehigh County Sheriff's Department. And, uh, well, you know, she likes watching, you know, the first 48. Right. And when I go to visit her, she has that on, you know, yeah. or it's live PD, you know. She's kind of like more newer in the law enforcement. Me, I, I don't even want to watch law enforcement. Well, because you're watching work. Well, I'm always at work. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, and then being a detective, you know, before becoming a chief, I was, you know, moved from a detective to a detective sergeant. So, I mean, I was, I've was i been doing detective work probably for about 24 years. Right. So, I'm kind of burned out. Like, <laughs> you know, sure. when I, whenever I go home, I want to get the hell away from yes. police work. I don't want to yes. have to live police work while I'm at home. But when you do, but I have watched 48 hours. Right. And it is. It's it's what we do. You know, when you watch that, that's real stuff. When you watch live PD, that's what we do. So when you... Damn it, I had a, I had a question I wanted to ask you, but I don't remember what the hell it was. But that's keeping, a sign of old age. You know? No, it's a sign of alcoholism. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're when you when I watched those shows, like you said, you were strictly day shift once you became a detective. Right. Those guys are all. It looks like they're all hours. Well, it's because of you know you're 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 in a bigger city. When you watch that stuff, they're not in a department like us. Right. You know, have I worked night shift as being a detective? Absolutely. But I was on call twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So you got a call so, at like two a.m. You were getting up and it said, "Hey, I got this thing. We need to go check that." You boom. Say we had a robbery, you know, or a burglary that was in progress, or something like that, you know. But they would call me, and, and if I felt that I had to go out, I would go out. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you do that and live your life and enjoy your life? Because any second, you know, you're going out. For example, an Eagles playoff game, and you're get, like, "What if you get a call?" And if if you know, like, hey, there's been times I'm human. Yeah, I drink beer. I love drinking beer. Absolutely, love partying. You know, and there has been times that I've been called, and I'm saying, "Sorry, I can't come out. I've been drinking." And then I say, you know, hey, contact a sergeant, or you know, contact somebody else, or you know, there has been times we ended up calling the Berks County District Attorney's Office, you know, detective unit. And then they would come out, and you know, and they would have to process the scene and you know help investigate. Right. But I was the type of person that you know, if I was drinking, I wouldn't go out. You know, no. I, I'm just not that type of person. Could I have, you know, if I had two beers or something like that? Yeah, but I was more conscious. I didn't want to do that. You well, know, sure, one screw up then, and then everything's compromised, and it's a whole thing, yeah. and then you're in the paper for the wrong reason. Yeah, it's a big thing. Um, so what's the what's the difference? Between detective and detective sergeant, is there anything? Yeah, detective, you know, it, obviously it, rank. I would assume it's but. just rank. That's okay. it. And then when I became the detective sergeant, uh, they promoted me to a sergeant because they needed uh, somebody to oversee criminal investigations. And uh, so, the, the, in our department, you know, it was that officers, if they would end up getting a burglary or a theft or an assault, you know, th- there were times that those officers could handle that incident instead of turning it over to like say me right so i over i just i oversaw all the criminal investigations you know uh 
I would, uh, you know, manage all the incidents, you know, make sure that the officers are doing their job right when it came to a criminal investigation or a criminal arrest or help them with interviews and things like that. We, you know, that's what's nice about our department that, uh, you know, we still only have one detective, you know, and now it's Sergeant Bob Wood just got promoted to a detective sergeant. He was a sergeant. So it was basically just like a lateral, you know, transfer, you know, he, he's got the title now, detective sergeant, but he's still getting the same pay so the same as a sergeant. Responsibility though. A little right. Bit. So, yeah. Right. And, and you know, he was overseeing, you know, criminal investigations and all. So, you know, in our department, you know, we only have one detective, but you go to some other departments like Coomer Township, uh, Y missing, Muhlenberg, Exeter, they have several detectives. Right. Because they are a much bigger, bigger sure. department, bigger area, more businesses, more retail, more fraud, and everything. So, all right, how many cases generally is one detective, since you have one detective, what's your average caseload like? Back whenever I was a detective, yeah. I could have had easily from 20 to 40-some cases that I could have that's active. At and, one and time. You, at one time. And you say, how the hell can you do it? I was about to ask you that. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's impossible. You know, you had to prioritize your cases. Right. And there was cases that I got to honestly tell you that uh, was reported and it just basically got unsolved because you couldn't dedicate yourself or or it was to the point that you had no more uh, information that you could go on. Right. So you just, just so you basically left that case sit. Hoping that something you know, would come in, something would come in, like through Crime Alert Berks County, or you know, you, you get another uh, criminal, you know, that did like say a burglary or something. Then hey, you know, do you have any information on anything that happened in the county that you can help me out with? That I can help you, right? So, and that's how we, you know, that's how we did it. That's how I did it. I solved a lot of cases for a lot of other departments. You know, and uh, I worked a lot of cases that weren't even mine because whenever I was the detective, I also got sworn in through the district attorney's office as a county detective. Okay. So I had multi-jurisdiction. I had jurisdiction go all over Berks County. Yeah. And uh, which was, you know, it's neat. be kind of cool. But, yeah. But it, it was a lot of work. It but for more money. work, but you're not getting paid more money. But at the end of the day... That looks pretty damn good, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, what it was, it was rewarding. When you, when you get a case... Say a robbery, you know, or a burglary, and you know, uh, people, you know, got like things stolen that meant a lot to them, mm-hmm. you know, or a, say a robbery, a, a, you know, somebody taken at gunpoint, and you don't have nothing other than that report, and you start working it, and then you find out a suspect, and then you're able to make an arrest and convict that individual. That's what's rewarding. I can imagine. I can imagine because it doesn't happen at the snap of the finger. I mean, you're putting in all that time and effort. Plus, you know, the family mate or whoever it is gets, you know, a little bit of relief because this person's not out there doing what they're doing or could do it again to me. But, yeah, I can see that. that that's basically like it's achieving many goals throughout your career, like constantly. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a pretty damn awesome thing. Uh, how what What is one of the... I guess we'll, we'll start off on the light end of it. There's got to be some humor in this job. See oh, what oh, I, yeah. see what There's it? been plenty of humor. I mean, I could tell you stories. That's like, why you're here. Oh, my, oh my God. You know, so, we were, what are some of the things? We were just talking about this. You know, like to the, you know, we, we just hired three new guys, and we had one of them that we just did his six-month uh, evaluation. And 
and we were there, the three sergeants and him and I were in the office, closed door, and it's like, boy, we could tell you a hell of a lot of shit that we did when we were younger. <laughs> you know, like, you know, screwing with each other, like, you know, you know that, uh, you know, the one patrolman was working, so you would, you know, call him on the phone, you know, we had Nextels that you did to direct, you uh, know, the direct, so it's like, hey, where are you at? You know, like, what are you doing? And so you find out where he's at. Well, what you do is then you shut the lights off when you see where he's at and you blow by him. Then he chases after you <laughs> and he's calling a pursuit in and, you know, and things like that. You know, you screw with each other. I mean, I, I, it just like the, the biggest one was, uh, you know, my chief that just retired and uh, the one sergeant that's still there. They screwed me when I was young. You know, I mean, they they screwed me so bad it was unbelievable. I felt like a jackass. But anyways, what happened was well, how, well, how what do you mean? What did they do to you? Well, it, I was working night shift. It, it, I'm, I'm still young, okay. Yeah. And here, what they did was they set me up that um, there were uh, it was on Alani orchards. So they they had um, the uh, the apple orchard and the apple homes. You know where the the, the the Mexicans and that would, you know, stay yeah. in, and then they would go out and pick apples and everything. Well, here in that area, what they did was they set me up that uh, it was suspicious activity that, you know, somebody was reporting something. Well, here I drove back the dirt lane to where the apple trees were, and here there was a flare lit in the road. <laughs> okay? And it's like, and I pull up and I said, ah, somebody lit a flare, you yeah. know, in the middle of the road. But then I said, but, you know, there's cassette tapes. You know how you know how the cassette, yeah, you know, the, actual the, tape. the tape itself, yeah. and it was strung through the trees and everything. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, somebody's screwing Some around, kids kids. messing around. Yeah. yeah. So once I get out of the car and they're watching me with binoculars, and they have you know <laughs> you know the two way radios on another frequency. Well, here, um, my chief that just retired, you know, he was uh, I believe maybe a corporal back then, or he could have even been a patrolman. But anyways, contacted you know. Uh, another guy that was a police officer just got off and said, hey, you know, Brian's out of the car. He's walking up to the flare. Well, what he did was they worked on this so long they had firecrackers and they lit a pack of matches and they had a cigarette and the cigarette would burn down to the point that it would light the one match and it would light all the sure. matches and then it would light off all the firecrackers. Well, Christ, old Freddy, here I am. I get out of the car and all the ones... And I see flashes. I think somebody's shooting at me. I jump in the freaking car and I take off peeling out. And I'm getting on the radio calling for air priority that shots fired. And those guys hear it and they're keying up over me to so that Burke's radio, the 911 center, didn't hear me. Yeah, they're freaking out. Yeah, and they're going, unit calling, unit calling, you know. So here I am, like, and all at once, Scott, you know, the, the one officer, was coming in the opposite direction. And he said, my eyes were so big and everything. And it was like, and I said, somebody's shooting at me. He's like, what? So we ended up going back. And uh, the one guy that set off the fire, you know, crackers and that had all this set up. He's watching. He sees us pull up again, you know, watch as we get out. And I'm walking around because I said, listen, you know, they're here. Somebody's here. It has to be kids or whatever. I don't know. But so we're looking around and all at once. He has those uh, shotgun shells that were like M80s that okay. you shoot and, and yeah. it goes on and then bang. <laughs> well, he launched about four of them suckers and I jumped. I pulled my gun out, you oh know, and lucky somebody to get so, a fucking shot. I, I know exactly. exactly. I'm telling you, this is the shit that we did. <laughs> they did to me. So uh, 
So yes, yeah, so you, you went to church most days. You, oh, you, yeah. you never oh, participated yeah. in that. No, no. Thing. So so, anyways, <laughs> we ended up. It, it came out that you know I knew that they screwed with me because then. So what you was know, your reaction when you found that out? Oh, I was I was cursing them up. Yeah, and down I'm like, sure you weren't happy. Oh no, I said you guys wait because paybacks are hell. Yeah. So we ended up then. Uh, yeah, we, we were we were good friends. I mean, listen, you, you can't do that. Well, you shit. don't do that to somebody you don't like, in my opinion. What's that? I okay. You're about to tell me I'm full of shit. I see it in your face. I don't do that type of thing to people that I don't care about. Like if I care oh, about yeah. you and I like you, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Oh yeah, I mean, you'll know if I don't like it because I don't associate with. Right, it. but now, but now I got to tell you. Even if you like somebody today, you can't do that on the job anymore. I'm Times sure have changed. It, it, it's is police work fun? Yeah, but is it as fun as it was thirty years ago? Hell no. Well, everybody's like, looking for that gotcha moment. Well, it, it's the gotcha moment, moment, but times changed. You have to watch your back anymore. You have to, uh, you, you know, it, it's just you're, you're a lot more busier. Uh, just lifestyle, just everything has totally changed. I mean, and and it and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And uh, is it fun to come in to work some days? Hell no. There, there's days that uh, you know it's like I'm ready to retire. Which you know, hey, I, I can retire in March, but I like the job. I like what I do. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I got promoted. But uh, but things have changed. But you know, going back to the fun, you know, days, yeah. it was it was fun because you know what I did was I screwed you know with those guys back you know on days you know like. But you know we did. We screwed around a lot, and you know we laughed. And but you can't do that nowadays because stuff that we did, and you, we would be fired. You'd be done. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And even being a chief, I would have to say, listen, you know, you screwed up and get some type of disciplinary. Sure. I wouldn't want to, you know, fire somebody, but you can't do it because of liability. <laughs> sure. that, that's Absolutely. the big thing. Liability. Absolutely. So you were about to tell me something else, though. You were talking about uh, a chief. Was it a chief you had? Or something like that. Before we got into what they did when they screwed you over, you said, "I got see." That's a sign of old age. Yeah, you can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were saying how when you were younger, you got screwed over, screwed over bad. Oh yeah. And then you were about but, to, but you were about to go into another story before. Oh that. yeah, because what happened was though, you know, they they screwed with me. So I like, you know, I'll get you back. Well, the one day they got me again. We went into what back then was Hess's Diner on sixty one. Okay. And seventy three. Well, I had to take a radio uh, call, so I went out. They answered the call. It was a telephone assignment, so I made the telephone call and I came back in. Well, what they did was there was three of us, you know, eating supper. They took my straw out of my soda. They dipped it in the Tabasco sauce, pinched it off, and put it back into my drink. Now, apparently, you know, when I walked in, all these people are, like, looking at me just around to where we were sitting. Uh, and it was like, why is people looking at me? Yeah. So, anyways, I'm eating, and all at once I take the sip of my, you know, soda. Straight Tabasco. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. you know, and it was like everybody in the restaurant started laughing. You know, here they knew, yeah. you know, people. They screwed with me, and it's like, uh. And so there, I couldn't even hardly eat my rest of my meal because my freaking throat's on On fire, fire. and it went down into my stomach, and, you know, and I'm just, like, about half sick because the whole straw was Tabasco sauce. So how'd you get them back? Well, here, when after we got done eating, uh, the the one officer had his keys laying on the table. I took his keys and walked out and jumped in my car. (laughs) So I'm thinking, huh, I got you. So I locked the door and I had the windows up and I'm like waving the keys out. Yeah. So all at once he says, give me my keys. Like, nope. So I started to pull ahead a little bit 
and you know, and I had his keys. Yeah. So I was going to leave. Well, so anyways, I ended up putting my window down a little bit. And uh, well, once I says, buddy, you're not getting your keys. This is payback. You're going to have to get them down the road, you know. So joking with him that I was going to drive off and sit his keys down. And he would have to walk down the road to get his <laughs> keys. Well, I didn't notice, but he took his mace out of the pouch. Oh, my God. He dosed me with mace through the crack of the window inside the police car. I had it in drive. I jump out of the car, and the car starts drifting across the parking lot at the diner. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like running after the car, hawking and coughing, and my eyes are burning. And I jump in, and I slam the car in the park. And here we thought that the car was going to keep drifting across the sure. other cars in the parking lot. Well... So anyways, he got his he keys back. He fucking maced you. Yeah. What a dick. There's a level of this shit, isn't yeah. there? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you know, like I said, it's shit that you can't do now. You can't fucking mace a guy in front of... Well, especially... There's all these people in watching... the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And the car's going across the parking lot. <laughs> so no calls? No complaints about this? No. Or? No. That, people laugh about it back then. Hell, you know, we were telling the stories of other people. You know, the chief that was way back then. He would laugh about it. Holy shit. So, but fucking yeah. Mace, that guy's a dick. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and Mace was funny because you know we always screwed with each other with the Mace. You know, I'm sitting in my office, and this was when I was the detective, and we would open up the windows, and you know, the one sergeant's office was you know like side by side to mine. Well, what he did, he reached out his window and he sprayed it down into my window, not knowing. And the breeze is coming in. All at once, I'm like. <coughs> <laughs> and I started, I couldn't breathe and everything. Here he maced me from his from window outside window. down into my window. And, and then I hear him laughing. It's like, you bastards. Like, they, oh, you know, we screwed with sure. each other. But they really screwed with me because I guess it's, I was evil. It sounds like it. Yeah. Jesus, dude. It sounds like you didn't get anybody. No, no. I, <laughs> no. I did a little bit. But I mean, not like they got me. No. It was pretty Jeez, bad. I can't believe you got fucking maced. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things like you're pulling up to, to a call? And you just think, you're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, what are some of the, what are some of those stories? Like, where you're like, I can't believe I'm actually witnessing what I'm seeing here. Oh my god! Like, Lake Onawani, okay? Yeah. It was known for homosexuals, okay? Oh. Big hangout. That's all he did. You know? Is it still that way? It, oh my god! Well, yeah. Over on Maiden Creek Road, they like to hang out, but we don't get the calls like you know we used to. Yeah. I mean, you would catch a guy. Doing another guy on a picnic table, or they were giving each other oral sex, and you know shit like that. So we were sending undercover guys in, you know, to to do undercover stuff. Yeah. But uh, it, it, I, I could tell you stories, but I'd rather be sure. reserved on all that. I but it's you. like, what the hell, you know? But then you would get people, you know, guy girl having sex. Like I couldn't believe it. One day I'm I'm going down Bowers Road, right exactly by Lake Onalani at the Dam Breast. Uh-huh. And I see this motorcycle parked. So I go up here, two people, buck ass naked, going at it, you know? And it was like, and I even blew the horn. Yeah. And I rolled in, I rolled down the window, I go, yo, and they keep on going. I had to get out of the car. Well, you know, here they are, they're, they're into it. Well, yeah. then they nonchalantly get up, you know, get dressed. And, you know, and this is something that really got me, and it was like, holy shit, I could have been killed. The guy actually had a loaded handgun underneath his helmet, no right shit. there, right where they were at. Yeah, 
So it was like, you know, so these things, you just never know when something was going to, you know, so, pop up, literally. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. So did you ever, did you ever get in a confrontation where like, when it was with anybody where you're like, oh shit, well, you know, I guess if this ends up being it, well, here we are. Uh, there, uh, there was a lot of incidents that, uh, you know, you know, you, you had to fight with, you know, somebody, you know, putting them under arrest. I mean... Uh, there's been so many times, but nothing drastically. Solo, solo confrontation like that. What's the adrenaline like? Because I mean, I know it from a correction standpoint where it's a little more controlled environment. Mm-hmm. Where it's the one-on-one, and it's well, it's you or them, and it's never going to be you. So right. Uh, and I'm sure, like you're 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 out on the streets, so you're dealing with guys that are jacked and bigger than you, and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And I mean. You have tools to deal with that a little bit, but right. But like, but not not like it was back years ago. We didn't have the tasers. Yeah. You know, as soon as you you know pull that taser out, normally people will comply because yeah. you know I, I think I'd rather be shot by a gun than getting hit with that damn taser. I've heard that, and then I see the people on PCP that do that fucking nothing. Do it actually makes it worse. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what I heard cops used to do back in the day. <clears throat> this is the funniest way I've heard it. I've heard it uh, said was they'd use the old wood shampoo. That's <laughs> what they call it, the old wood shampoo. But I mean, were there any competitions where you're like, "This guy fucking has me right now"? Do you ever take it? Take the, take a loss out there? I don't ever remember me taking a loss. No, no. I would fight if I was into that situation. Uh, I would fight really dirty. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I remember you, you know like the, the one point that. I actually, you know, hit the guy, you know, right square in the nuts, yeah. you know, and uh, just that's what you had to do back then. Oh, well, yeah, you're you know, going to so get fucked you, up or killed. Because back then, you know, you know, you were out by yourself and, you know, you had, could be 10 minutes, you know, or more until another officer would get to you because, you know, you were so spread out. You were by yourself. So what what's that situation like then? I mean, obviously, you're probably in fear for your life. Fear for your life, but then when you get somebody under control, but then you take them at gunpoint, a lot of people always complied. I never had anybody that, uh, um, I can't ever say I really had anybody that tried to take my gun. Maybe one, but I mean, it. it he didn't get it out of the holster or anything right. like that. But Do you think people have that misconception about when they see videos online, like they'll see a cop, they'll see a cop or a couple cops, and they'll be kind of putting some work in on a guy, but what they don't understand is that before that, before what they're seeing right there, 99% of the time those officers were in some real legit danger and that that's what was needed to like, do you think they don't understand that it's not only, you're not going to just always use your academy taught holds and things like that. Like sometimes you got to fucking fight. Oh yeah. And people don't realize, oh, they're punching him. Yeah. That's what happens. Like that's right. Just what it is. Listen, you know, we, we go out every day. And, uh, you know, we put our life on the line. We know that when we take the job. Sure. But, you know, we want to go home at the end of that shift. Mm -hmm. You know, and now the way things are happening, like, for instance, the the two state troopers back in November of 17 up on 33 when they had the... African-American male that uh, was fighting with them. And and the one trooper was huge. I mean, big compared Mm -hmm. to that guy. And, uh, you know, here, both the troopers was fighting with that guy. That guy ended up putting, you know, a good 
tussle with these two troopers, got away, went up around the car, reached in, pulled the gun, and shot those troopers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the shit. You know, it's like we want to go home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and those guys, you know, they've tried fighting with them. You know, they, they tased them. You know, Twice. It, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what's the next thing that you have to do? Right. You know, shoot them. But then you don't want to shoot them because you know why? Well, that's the next Then you thing. have to worry about... Oh my God! Are they going to criminally charge me? Is right. you know, and everything. It's just like the the South Whitehall cop with the guy up near uh, Dorney Park just recently. Yeah, yeah, that one's crazy. You know, I, I you know, as a chief, uh, I feel bad for that guy. I feel horrible for that guy. I, I actually back him. I support him, but you know, I truly do because listen, he has more training from him being in the military. He's was he was a major, mm-hmm. the, and being active with the military, being over fighting in the war, he has more training than what we will ever have probably. And you know he's trained over there. Those guys in the military, you know, because the freaking uh, Unabombers and all that shit that want stra- strap explosive on. You don't know when they're going to get shot, but when you tell somebody to stop over there and they don't, and they keep coming at you. What's going to happen? They're going to get shot. Yeah. You know, here, what, you know, when you tell somebody to stop after, you know, what this guy did, you know, exactly, exactly, jumped on the crew, jumped on the police officer's car. So, you know, if he's doing that, you know that he's high. Yeah. So, you know, when you're telling him to stop, 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 and he keeps coming. Yep. He's going to hurt you. Yeah. He ain't looking to shake your hand. You know, how do you know that he doesn't have some type of. Uh, you know, uh, like judo or you know karate, anything right. that you know, any martial arts that that one hit, you're knocked out. Right. I know because listen, I, I mean, I went through training to try to you know to protect you know that somebody don't get your gun. And this one instructor, you know, he had so many martial arts, he was good. I mean, he was he was a fighter. Right. He says, "Do you think I can take your gun?" And I go, "No, you can't." And he hit me open hand. Right up on my forehead, knocked me the hell out. And by when I woke up, he had my gun in his hand. Wow. And it was like, and it happened that quick. So that's the thing, you know. But, you know, you have that safety zone. Right. And if somebody's coming at you and you tell them to stop, I'm sorry. I I, I just, I'll totally back that guy uh, 110%. I agree with you too. Because... Again, and all you see on on social media and all kinds of stuff is that officer should have been trained better to deal with that. And like your to your point, that was in the military. Correct. What other training does the guy need? But we go through training. We have to, you know, the the officers in Pennsylvania have to go through mandatory training every year. And and believe it or not, we go over all these type of scenarios, and every officer that is working wants to go home because they have family, they have loved ones, they have friends, you know, they, 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 they are human. So, you know, it's totally different nowadays. It's, it's totally different. And, um, it's just, it's sad because I feel that a lot of times these officers that are getting shot, hurt on the job is because they are afraid to act on a, on an incident that they're afraid that they're going to lose their job or they're going to get sued or charged criminally for, you know, excessive use of force. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Most likely you're going to be, you're going to hesitate. Yep. 
you're going to hesitate. And that second hesitation, think about, oh shit, can I do this? You're, there's your life. Yeah. You're, you're done. Um, body cams. Do you guys use body cams at all? We don't use body cams yet. We will be getting body what do you cams. Think about them? I, I think we should have them. I love them. Yep. Because what it's done, what you see a lot of is everybody, all right, now we're going to catch these dirty cops out there. Well, what you see the majority of the time is the cops are 100% justified in what they're doing. Boy, did that backfire. Yeah. And the thing is, when you go to an incident, that, that officer knows there's a body camera on. But you know what? When that adrenaline's pop, pumping, you don't it. even think about no. that damn body camera. You don't think about somebody having a cell phone in their hand recording. You're there to deal with it, and your adrenaline's pumping. You don't think anything other than freaking getting that guy or, or woman or whatever under control and, you know, in custody. You know, it, it's about stopping the threat. Right. Then it's afterwards that it's like, oh shit, I sh- maybe I shouldn't have done that. This is when you right. second guess yourself, yeah, yeah. but you shouldn't be, you know, it, it's... You did what you had to do. Exactly. And that, that, a lot of people that have never been in any corrections job, they just don't fucking get it. No. They have no idea what it is. Well, you should have talked to him. Oh, really? As he's trying to rip my face off. Right. What's that going to do? I mean, they, people that are going to... Like you, you take a situation where certain people don't like you just because you're a police officer. It doesn't matter what you say. You're not going to change that person's mind. So the, the talking and everything, well, they should be trained in de-escalation skill. Shut the hell up. Yeah. So, we, we go through all yeah, that. I know, I know, and I know this, and that's why I'm making, I'm trying to make the point. There, every, everybody's trained in that already. That's part of the training process. That's what everybody goes through. But, when you're in the situation, you don't know what that cop's thinking. You don't know what happened 10 seconds before the video started. Correct. Everybody, everybody's a Facebook, uh, a Facebook lawyer. Or my favorite is the uh, is the traffic stop lawyer. Did, did you? I'm, 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 I don't know if you had this when you were uh, a patrolman or or anything like that before you made detective. But now everybody wants to roll down their window and cite why you're doing something wrong and you shouldn't be talking to them. Right. So, do you, do you guys have to actually go through different training nowadays to deal with the different pushback from society in general? Uh, well, we do tra- we do uh, training. We do training on traffic stops. We'll run through different scenarios. Has it changed? I guess is what I'm asking. No, I don't think it's really changed. I think it's all the same. I mean, we do what we do. I mean, it, it, there's nothing. The only thing that has changed is we are more cautious when we're approaching a vehicle now. Sure. But nothing's changed other than that. It's just... All right, I got to ask you a question. What is the... All right, you say you, you go through training every year, right? You re-up your... Not re-up, but you review, I'm assuming, different training. We, we have to go through mandatory training. And what does, that in, what does that include? Uh, it's a uh, two days that you have to go through mandatory training. You get up, you know, uh, updated uh, crimes code, vehicle code, and then there's a. There, it can be uh, any other training, you know, like for instance, uh, uh, let's see, like stuff like body cameras. Okay. Um, so just what, what t- I want to know is where, why why hasn't this ever been implemented, or maybe it hasn't. I don't know about it. You always see that one gigantic fat cop. <laughs> yep. Why is there not a physical test? There should be. I agree. But What's that guy going to do? If anything, he's putting people in jeopardy if he's working with somebody. You're right. That's a liability. Yeah. 
and uh, or she, yeah, or she. Yeah. You know, it's. But you look back. There were. Oh, fat it's, cops. it's not new. No. It's not new. I'm just. But you think it should be because now I, I I think there should be standards. Yes. And you know, and a lot of times they won't put standards in there because of lawsuits. It, it's all. It, that's what it is. Are the numbers hurting nowadays? Is that what you think? Some of the standard isn't there for because they it's harder to get police officers. Well, it's not really hard to get police officers. Well, you just said you. I mean, it, what what's hard is is to get the elected officials to spend money to get police officers. That's the thing. It, it's not about there. There's a ton of people, and and we are going to be currently hiring again coming yeah. up. And uh, it, you know, I have a list. I probably have about twenty more people on this list that. You know, I can go off of. There's plenty of people out there that want to work and, and so do the job. So you haven't seen that change with the kind of negative cultural association with policing and no, stuff it's just like that. you know, believe it or not, it's 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 harder to become a cop now than it really? ever has. To me, back whenever I started, I think it was you know, I think it would have been easy to become a cop. You know, well, I was what, fortunate. Well, that, what changes you know, the training and the, and the uh, testing and things like that has gotten more difficult or testing. Yeah, I know testing is a lot harder, um, but you know the cost of the police academy, um, you know, things like that. It's yeah. the like the little things, but but it's harder to get. Like I said, it's harder to get hired because there isn't that many openings openings out there for as many people that's going through the academies. So let's move on to the. Well, I guess the light at the end of the tunnel. For Brian, uh, chief of Northern Berks Regional Police, you were detective sergeant, and from what I read, I did a little bit of research. You were in a you were in a meeting. Yep. And you said, "I'm your guy." Yep. I should be the guy to be the man. You got to beat the man. That guy's out the door. I'm the new guy. How did that go down? Well, when I announced that I wanted to be the chief. Um, Apparently, I pissed off some people. That's what the article said. (laughs) And uh, they said that I took the uh, wrong approach, um, but I wanted to make it aware that I was there because I wanted to do the job. So, what? Where where did you announce this? No, I announced it right during one of our police commission meetings, right in an open meeting. Put it on the record and everything else. The news media was there. Yes, they were. Uh, They met with me even afterwards. And uh, it just, you know, filtered from there to, you know, all over on Facebook and, you know, just all over. And, uh, you know, I I didn't have, you know, some of the commission um, and supervisors from other municipalities and or councilmen. You know, there were some elected officials, put it that way, that uh, I don't didn't want me. Um, They didn't think that I could do the job. And but I pushed. I had business people. I had citizens. I had my guys, a lot of my guys in the department uh, that were pushing for me. And elected officials throughout Pennsylvania. Um, I had so many people, it was unbelievable. You know, judges. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I dumped them with letters, people writing letters. Um, I, you know. I, I did my small social media part. 
So yeah, I think I yeah. should get a cut. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. You know, and and that's where it came down to. And, you know, and plus I, I, I proved it, you know, since I have done the job. I've done more than I said that I would do. And uh, I told the commission, these are my goals. And I've already succeeded the goals that I told them and plus a lot more. And I haven't even been chief yet for two years. Right. And I told them it would take two years to make the changes that I was recommending and we did it probably all in about a year. And I say we, not me, yeah. we, uh, because when I told the, the, the guys in the department, you know, you know, it's a new beginning. When I took over as chief, that's what I said. It, it's going to be a new beginning because things were going to change uh, to the positive. It was going to be a lot more public relations, getting out there in the community, uh, doing a lot of things that we didn't do that we should have done. And we did uh, policy changes. Uh, the sergeants backed me 110%. You know, they're, they're my backbone. I, I, I rely on them and my secretary. Uh, she is phenomenal. And we had made a lot of positive changes to help the community, to better the, the department, better the community. And I'm going to continue doing it because I said, you know, if I ever slack off, I want somebody to come up and punch me in the head mm -hmm. because I don't want to be that chief that will allow that department to go backwards. I want to move forward. And when I, you know, presented everything, I said, listen, I want our department to be the best of the best in the county. And uh, so I sold myself to the commissioners. They had a meeting that came down to two state troopers and myself and, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a decision that the commission had to make. And, you know, they, they ended up then going with me. And, yeah, and that's awesome. And here that's we are. absolutely awesome. So when you're coming in there, now you said your sergeants, your sergeants backed you from day one? Correct. Was there any, like, kind of weird looks from anybody else in the department? when You, you know, it's, that's, that can be tough because... You know, one day you're working on the same level as certain people, and then the next day you're not. At, at, at the very beginning, no. But has the honeymoon, honeymoon been over? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Um, people but, are not comfortable now. Well, you, you know, the, the, I hold everybody accountable. I have no favorites. I told it, you know, them when I took over, even before chief, when, I, when they put me in as, uh, you know, an acting chief when the previous chief retired. I said to the guys, I said, listen... Everybody is going to be treated equal. There's not going to be favorites. Everybody's going to do their job. Everybody's going to be held accountable. I said this job is going to be uh, a teamwork because team is together. Each achieves more. I stress that more than once. I still say it. Um, you know, I'm not going to micromanage a department. You know, you can't as a right. chief. You have to delegate. Sure. And um, I have delegated so much to, to my sergeants, to, to the secretary, to some officers. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say that I delegate. I'm not, you know, embarrassed, you know, because no. I can't do it all. But, sure. but there's, there's, you know, some that, you know, chiefs and everything in the past and that were micromanagers that just couldn't let things go. Ego you know, they, right. yeah. And I'm not like that. Right. So, uh, so what things, what things, um, to the positive, uh, you know, what were the, what were some of the things that you didn't like that you're like, oh, okay, we need to change this. And then you made the positive change. Uh, the, you know, for instance, uh, we ended up getting, uh, better equipment, uh, a lot more equipment for the guys. Um, we ended up changing our uniforms a little bit. 
to make us uh, recognized as police officers because you know you know when you look out there EMS personnel on the ambulance and paramedics are wearing bulletproof vests now yeah. you know so there were times that you go to a scene you know how do you can how can you pick out a cop from a paramedic when they have a lot of gear too right. that they wear so i ended up you know making sure that we were identified better we ended up uh you know, changing the, uh, the the graphics on our cars, you know, to be more visible that we are police. And, uh, you know, I make sure that the cars are lit up a lot more. Uh, where the positive changes have come in the department um, to better the department, uh, I'm making the guys work, actually. You know, I'm a worker. I expect them to work. If I make traffic stops, I make them do traffic stops. Am I telling them to go out and write tickets? Hell no. Right. I don't care if they write a ticket. But you know what? If, if somebody's going down the road, they have a headlight out, taillight out, you know, pull them over, warn them. It's good PR. It's right. it's good, hey, you know, just pulling you over because you have a light out, you know, headlight out. Did you know that? Or a taillight. You know, if not... Hey, get that fixed. Give them a five-day card, you know, in right. case they get stopped by somebody else. You know, it's it's one hundred percent. I feel great about that traffic stop if I'm the one getting pulled over. Yeah. If you just go, ah, oh, hey, get that fixed, man. Uh, instead of like coming down on somebody about it, like that, one hundred percent is awesome. Right. I mean, you don't have to, you know, just because you know somebody uh, commits a violation doesn't mean you have to, you know, issue a citation. Right. You know, if if it's somebody that's definitely. Um, uh, intentionally committing a a, a a traffic violation knows you know like we had this guy the other day going 81 miles an hour up 61 on a 45 sorry you're getting a ticket yeah, you're yeah. not getting a break you no. know what you're doing right. you know things like that but you know somebody you know like 15 miles an hour over you know i don't care if the officer cuts this person the break and give them a verbal warning written warning i don't care you know at, listen i speed everybody sure, everybody yeah, does. yeah i mean Nobody's perfect. So uh, I just, what I want is I want the guys out there making traffic stops, having the cars lit up so people know, hey, the police are out here. Right. Deters crime. It deters traffic violations. It saves lives. So, Absolutely. you know, that was one thing that, uh, you know, we instituted. We, uh, we actually redone our whole entire SOPs, our standard operating procedures. Oh, yeah. It was so old. Uh, God, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's a wonder that, we didn't, you know, have somebody that tried to sue us, you know, because wow. they were so outdated. They're all current now. Um, so it, it, it's like just a lot, you know, things like that. We had our first national night out ever. I saw that on Facebook. It looked, did you wait? You actually, you actually suit. I saw you in like uniform again. Yes. Yeah. And I do. And, I, and listen, uh, today I was in uniform. Yesterday I was in uniform. Oh, yeah? I made a traffic stop today. Listen. I, I will not forget where I came from. I'll be right out there helping the guys. You know, listen, you know, I'm a chief. Yeah. Well, chiefs, you know, the people say chiefs shouldn't be doing that. No. You know, we're a smaller department. I should be out there because if I expect my guys to do something like make traffic stops, I'm going to go out there and make traffic stops too. You know, I want to show them if I, if I'm asking you to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. Exactly. So they're, they're, you know, a lot of them are good with that. Some have issues because I'm making them work because it's not like, oh, I want to come in and just ride around and wait for a call. You know, you, you, right. you have that in every department. You have good cops that are energetic and want to do the job and other ones that, you know, they just, they come in and they just want to get paid. Let's get through the day. Let's yep. put my, let me put my years in. 
And then right out. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen in my department. <laughs> Everybody's going to be held accountable. You know, you're, you're all making the same money. You're all going to do the same job. Right. You know, if somebody wants to, you know, go above and beyond, they're going to get recognized for that. Right. You know, it's they're going to get that boys and, you know, things like that. So, but, uh, you know, that, that's been the big change. But, the, you know, like I said, the na- first national night out that we had, uh, we never had that out mm-hmm. of, you know, all the years out of... Uh, 30 years, 31 years going on that I was never, ever involved in a national night out. Right. Our first one that we uh, did this year, uh, we put it all together in three months, mm-hmm. and uh, we probably had the biggest turnout in Berks County. We And then considering that it, it poured, yeah. it rained yes. and everything else, we had anywhere uh, between twelve to 1,500 uh, people wow. that showed up, and then we had an awesome fireworks display at the end of the night because of the rain. That's huge for community relations. That's got to be huge. Oh, it's huge. And next year, I mean, it was such a good turnout. And everybody, uh, I've talked to people. I just talked to a guy just two days ago. Said, you know, hey, I attended your national night out. He goes, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, yeah. and that made me feel good. And I said, you think that it was good this year? Wait till next year because I'm going to double it and it's going to be better. So awesome. So. In closing, is there any any message you want to put out there? Anything you want to say uh, regarding Northern Berks Regional Police or police and community relations, or just a message in general that you want to have it put out there? I, you know, I just want to tell everybody: listen, you know, you know, please don't look at every officer as you know a bad egg. Um, when you get that dozen eggs, and you know one of them's cracked or one of them's spoiled, you know, and you don't, you know, don't, you know, throw the rest of that, you know eggs away you know don't throw us away out of your life and thinking that all of us are bad because we're not uh, you know it's anywhere you're going to have good people you're going to have bad people and unfortunately you know there are some officers out there that you know turned out to be bad cops and but you know don't let that affect you you know uh, you know I'm just asking you know the people to to look at us and look at the job that we have to deal with and and look how times have changed from you know 20 years ago to you know 15 to 10 and 5 and you know and you you know look at the future ahead you know people are saying you know things are getting worse it's going to get worse and but we need people you know in the community to back us for you know helping you know the community by protecting the community protecting people you know look at the uh, school shootings and you know we're the ones that's going to protect your butt you know it's like you know who else is going to do it you know and, you know, that's that's the only thing. I just, I want people to support the police, um, you know, show the respect, go up, thank a cop, you know, just like how we go up and we thank the military. I have uh, very high respect for the people that's in the military nowadays because, you know, they're not home with their families or they're away and, and uh, you know, uh, they have it rough. You know, there, there's times that, uh, you know, you go away in the military and the military will tell you, oh, this is the way it's going to be, but it's not, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't get a chance to talk to your family for a month, you know. You, it, it is what it is. You're there. You're, exactly. You're so, you know, we show the, the military the respect and, you know, I just want people to, you know, respect the police and, you know, stand by us and, uh, you know, and my big thing is, is, you know, with my community that uh, we cover, uh, I will make sure that uh, the people know that we are there to, you know, help them, support them in any way, to give back. But, you know, we want that in return. And I think that, you know, the first, you know, national night out we had definitely shows that things are definitely changing. 
uh, with the support. Yes. Yeah, get that community support. All right, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. On the yep, show, yep. Man. Hey, it's awesome. been good. Thanks. Hey, everybody. That was Brian Horner, Police Chief of Northern Berks Regional Police Department. Great show. Great talking to him. Good friend of mine. Don't be afraid to like and share our Facebook page. I'm just saying with Justin Worley on Facebook. Check us out on Podbean. Check us out on Stitcher. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter. It's all under Justin Worley. It's not really that complicated. It's not that serious. Just look me up. My face is my livelihood. Uh, check me out on Instagram. My wonderful fiance runs that for me. Post everything up there because I'm illiterate. I don't think I think that just means I can't read. I don't know that that matters about the internet, but I can't do it. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway, another great episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Have a great weekend. Later. Man, I give you no break, not even